Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Welcome, everyone, to a Baseball America podcast. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. It's a college podcast. It's a Monday. Uh, you can follow both of us on Twitter and ask us questions for the podcast. Aaron's at Aaron Fitt. Doc, uh, at Aaron Fitt. I'm at John Manuel BA. Aaron, uh, week two in the books. And this might have been our shortest poll meeting that I can ever remember. I clocked in at just under eight minutes. Yeah. Not crazy. like I usually time it, but the, we do have a new fancy uh, co- conference phone, and it was at 8.34, and I know I wasted at least 34 seconds with the <laughs> ridiculousness during the meeting. So a uh, short poll meeting, and it, I, I thought it was funny because on, on the Twitter last night, Aaron, you tried to let people know there wasn't going to be a lot, of meet, uh, a lot of movement in this week's rankings because you know, most of the teams you – because know, our last week's poll was so perfect. Uh, you know, We had exactly. the exact right teams. And all those uh, all those teams won their games, but Aaron, your your Twitter timeline last night just got a little, uh, I guess, a little salty because people wanted their teams to move up, and you tried to prepare them for the fact that, hey, everybody won. So we went chalk, uh, same top sixteen, um, which is you know an interesting number because the sixteen teams make super regionals. Mm. Uh, we'll have to go back and look if our February twenty fifth top sixteen turned out to be the correct top sixteen. That would be that would be pretty cool. But Aaron, uh, everybody won, and uh, really didn't. We really didn't even think about moving any teams uh, down in that top sixteen. Uh, and it's even hard to pick out which was the most impressive weekend in our top sixteen. Would it be UCLA going on the road and winning a two out of three at Baylor, even though Baylor's scuffling a little bit, or would you maybe go with San Diego, uh, with o- Oregon State, which went down to San Diego State and was really uh, pretty dominant. Uh, as it's won all eight of its games on the road in five last week. Yeah, you know, I would go with Oregon State. And, and I think part of it, too, is because this was a four-game series, uh, and they only allowed two runs all weekend. And they did it with, with basically with Taylor Starr out, with, with uh, uh, Ben Wetzler, I believe, out. He might have pitched an inning in relief. I know they were talking about doing that, but uh, he didn't pitch much. And, and with, with Jace Fry, of course, is still out with Tommy, after his Tommy John surgery, although he might be back later this season. So, I mean, you know, three of their big guns weren't even there, and, and they didn't miss a beat. I mean, it's uh, – boy, they, they were very impressive on, on Thursday when I saw him down there against Michael Cedar-Roth. And, you know, that's a guy throwing 95, 98 miles an hour the first few innings. And, 
you know, and, and he didn't give up any hits and they just took it to him. I mean, they just bided their time and, um, you know, got some walks and, and they're just so, they're just so, um, determined and, and dogged offensively. And, and that's just kind of a staple of that program always has been, uh, you know, at least in, since, since I've been covering the sport, uh, they just, uh, you know, they're, they're not a fun team to play against is how another coach put it to me. Uh, recently is like they're you know they're just not a fun team to play against. And I think it's a great way to put it. Um, the, you know they're just uh, they're, this is and this is one of their best teams I think. And that's how it feels to me, Aaron. And I know they have been a grinded out offensive team over the years, but they haven't. Been, it seems like they're a little bit more explosive. But uh, you, you talked about the walks. I mean they've, they've walked almost as often as they've struck out so far this year. And obviously it's not just Conforto and Danny Hayes. They have they have some some veteran guys, but they're doing all this offensively without having hit a home run yet, even though I feel like, you know, it feels like they are a team that has a little bit more thump, yeah. a little more juice than the average Oregon State team, because even when the bats were a lot more lively, you know, they're, they're, most years, it felt like if they had a double-digit home run guy, they had one. They were never a right. team that really uh, played any kind of gorilla ball. Um, yeah, besides the, just the grinded-out nature of their bats, um, kind of what's the, what's their other strength, I guess, offensively? Is, is there some speed here, or is it really more of that uh, kind of get them in, get them over uh, kind of team offense? Yeah, the, the, the latter, I would say. There's not a lot of speed. I mean, uh, you talked about the fact that there should be some power in the middle, and, and I agree, that'll come, um, you know, because Michael Conforto is the real deal, of course, as everyone knows, and, you know, Dylan Davis has huge raw power, and, you know, he had, he had, a, he had some hits this weekend. He's a pretty good player. Uh, I think he's developing, you know, he's emerging. Uh, and then Danny Hayes has got a little bit of pop, too, and, you know, so, I mean, there's, there's some guys in the middle that can hurt you, uh, but, uh, you know, Tyler Smith, just a great all-around player, I think, kind of makes that offense go a little bit. Um, you know, that, that Max Gordon I, I wrote a little bit about on, on, on Thursday or Friday. Um, you know, he's just a he's just one of those those guys that doesn't have big tools but sees a lot of pitches and is kind of a nice guy at a leadoff spot right now. You know, I don't know how long they're going to stick with him there, but right now it's working. So, um, you know, it, it's a, that's what it is. It's a good defensive team. It's just a good all-around team. I can't really find a weakness. Yeah, I love how uh, Coach Casey even said, hey, if you're looking for tools, you know, look somewhere else. <laughs> but here's a yeah. guy who's either leadoff hitter who's got a, a 176 slugging percentage, uh, but he's got seven walks and no strikeouts and uh, really seems like he sets the tone for them offensively. Aaron, maybe I'll uh, use Oregon State as a jumping off point. We talked a lot the first couple of weeks about the SEC and how many Southeastern Conference teams rank highly. It seems like some good weeks for Pacific 12 conference teams. Uh, you had UCLA, like I mentioned, going on the road to win a series at Baylor. You have Oregon playing at home against a uh, former George Horton player in uh, Jason Gill and former uh, you know Horton assistant who's now the head coach at Loyola Marymount. Loyola Marymount, kudos to Loyola Marymount for going on the road um, in February. You certainly don't have to when you are based in Los Angeles. Um, but uh, the, the top of, and then of course Stanford uh, winning, a, sweeping a series against Fresno State uh, Arizona also in our rankings feels like uh, you know the Pac-12, the top of the Pac-12, looking very good again, and even Arizona State going on the road and winning a series at uh, at Tennessee, uh, rebuilding Tennessee, but still uh, always a good thing when you can go on the road and win a you know two out of three on the road when you're again a Pac-10 team, Pac-12 team that's going on the road. Uh, you know w when the the weather tells you that Arizona State doesn't have to go on the road in February, they they usually stay home. Yeah. And, Wait for people to come to them. Any of those stand out for you in the Pac-12's uh, second weekend of the year? 
Well, you mentioned UCLA. I mean, that's a, that's certainly a a quality series win going on the road. I mean, I know Baylor's not as good as they were last year, uh, but uh, you know that was it looked like Baylor played a lot better this weekend. You know, those games were competitive, and um, I thought it was very encouraging that. UCLA finally got to test James Caprillion in some pressure situations. You know, their freshman closer who he threw last week in a blowout game against Minnesota. Um, so I was curious to see how he would handle, you know, a, a, a tough atmosphere in the road against, you know, a, a, a decent team. And uh, he, he did handle it. I mean, to me, that was the, the key takeaway for UCLA. He, he got out of a situation um, in the in the ninth on the, on Friday, I believe, Baylor not mistaken had the bases loaded and couldn't score against him uh and then on sunday again um you know preserved a one run lead so by striking out the side pretty impressive fashion so i think uh to me that was an important thing i mean the ucla bullpen didn't you know other than that uh i think bird got hit a little bit but uh um you know i guess that'll happen every once in a while uh, and put in cody petit as well got hit a little bit but you know on on the whole i thought it was uh i was kind of watching that ucla bullpen and seeing how that would how that would do out there, and Caprillion stood out to me. Yeah, I mean, they, just see the UCLA has become so consistent. That's the you know, that, that's the thing that sticks out to me about about. Mm. Uh, we never used to say that about UCLA uh, ever. And I I don't think that's the perception of UCLA either. The perception seems to be that it's a team that you know gets guys like Hunter Virant. Uh, is it Vir- Virant or Virant? Virant. Virant. Thank you. They get players like Hunter Varant. They get guys like Caprillion. They go up against the draft and they get these guys, Garrett Cole. Uh, certainly, when you get a first round pick, I think it, you know, it it feeds that perception. But the perception seems to be they do it with talent. But it really feels like they do it more with grit. They are just a gritty, uh, grinding kind of team. And I, you know, maybe yeah. that's a transformation. And talking about Baylor, that was that was certainly Baylor's perception in past years, where they were over talented and underachieving. And last year they did it more with grit uh, than talent. So uh, it feels like that's the transformation that UCLA has made. I agree. It's a good way to put it. And uh, you're right about you're right about both those programs. Interesting parallel is they they both have kind of remade their identities a little bit. And um, you know certainly UCLA still has that front line talent. You know you talked about Verant and Caprillion too. Uh, you know in this latest recruit, recruiting class. And um, you know I like the sophomores a lot, but they're not they're not the uh you know the 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 Cole and Bauer level talents i mean they're they're good players that that right. know how to grind i mean you're right i mean Eric Felia and uh Kevin Kramer is really emerging and and you know Shane Zeal um those are those are just nice pieces they're athletes that's one thing that they all have in common is this these these guys uh, can can beat you a lot of different ways and you know it's 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 a good lineup i do want to talk about some of the uh, maybe flipping more onto the talent standpoint and certainly when we're looking at our rankings we have some of the teams that we believe are the most talented teams at the top, not the gritty, gutty teams. <laughs> These teams we think can be both talented and gritty slash gutty. Um, I'll, I'll, so we'll go to the top of the rankings with North Carolina, Aaron. I did happen to go because the sun finally came out on Sunday. It was kind of a ridiculous weekend here uh, weather-wise. And a lot of places in the East Coast had, had weather difficulties. Uh, North Carolina, I, I got to see a gritty and gutty victory out of them on Sunday against Stony Brook. Certainly, it's a different Stony Brook team. It's a, you know, uh, Travis Jankowski and Willie Carmona and Max Tissenbaum and Pat Cantwell are not walking through that door. Not to mention Patrick uh, Johnson. Is it Patrick Johnson? I'm mixing up. Who's no, there? Tyler Ace? Johnson. Tyler Johnson. Patrick Johnson was a personal cheese ball from days gone on, gone by at North Carolina. But you know, they lost. Uh, you know, Tyler Johnson led the nation in wins. Uh, those are their, you know, they had what nine players drafted last year. Stony Brook. 
Yeah. So yeah. it's a it's a very different team. Um, but but North Carolina gives up, uh, and you, I, it was a game the the Sunday game. So they they get uh, amazing pitching performances again by Kent Emanuel and um and Blank and Ben Moss. Both those guys have ERAs under one through two weeks. I mean ho hum, in North Carolina yeah. starting pitching. But uh, they didn't use Hobbs Johnson yesterday. I, d- I wasn't there in a working capacity, so I did not uh, ask why Hobbs Johnson was, didn't pitch. It's it, it a little uh, forearm uh, flexor muscle stra- strain or something like that. But it sounds like it's he's only supposed to miss a start or two, so not not a not a major thing. And to, but, so what really stood out to me about them, Aaron, was their depth. So first off, you, you have a senior in Chris Munley who replaces him. So a guy who was a weekend starter as a freshman. Um, he has his limitations, but most teams don't have an experienced senior who can come in and be your fourth starter on a weekend. Yeah. So that's a strength. Sure. Uh, we had this bullpen depth, and yesterday it was very tested because a uh, really nice eighth inning, eighth or seventh inning rally by uh, Sony Brook. They get six runs. I guess it was the eighth inning. And they did it to a couple of the guys who are supposed to be key members of North Carolina's bullpen. Chris McHugh, who looked great for two innings, then uh, got exhausted. Looked like he just uh, could not find the strike zone after he trying to get into his, his third inning, and then Trevor Kelly, kind of a low slot. I was getting a little excited from far away. I thought he was submarine, but he was he, uh, low. He's only sidearm, so uh, my enthusiasm waned as his <laughs> arm angle was higher. And then uh, Luis Paula, who was so good at the end of the year last year for North Carolina, he came in and just got hammered. He was not good. Um, but Shane Taylor, like their fourth, fifth, sixth guy on their depth chart out of the bullpen came in and put out the fire and pitched very well in the ninth inning. So you saw their bullpen depth uh, first fail a little bit, but then it, it was I thought it was showed uh, with Taylor being, again, so far down the depth chart. And then, uh, again, the reason I like submarine closers is that not many – or submarine pitchers, period, is very few teams have good lefty bats off the bench in college baseball, but North Carolina does. And Stony Brook kept running left-handers out of their bullpen, but the second they had a right-hander – here comes Holberton off the bench, and here comes Parks Jordan. Mm-hmm. They both had big hits. And then when a lefty comes off the bench, you know, they were starting Mike Zolk. So they, hey, here's Landon Lasseter with a great Star Wars nickname of Lando is his nickname. And nice. uh, Lando, uh, you know, Lobot should have been on deck, but uh, Lando with a big base hit. So North Carolina has roster depth. Um, you know, they still have the question of their middle infield defense because, you know, Lasseter has already made four errors. And their, their catcher position, Matt Roberts and Corey Dunbar, I think have three hits between them. But the number one reason, it seemed like we ranked them number one, Aaron, is their starting pitching and some star power. But the other difference factor for them is their depth. And uh, they've got it in the bullpen. They have it in their starting pitching staff, and we saw it yesterday in their lineup. Uh, I, I thought it was a pretty impressive sweep uh, can, you know, of Stony Brook, even though uh, – because I think Stony Brook showed the reason they got to Omaha last year was the their toughness – and the way they're coached by Matt Sink, plus their talent. Yesterday, they showed their real, their toughness uh, being down in a game, giving up a sixth spot, and then coming back with their own sixth spot. But North Carolina, I think, just kind of out-talented them uh, when it was all said and done. So some toughness and some talent out of the Tar Heels. Yeah, that sounds like a great summation. And, and you know, I certainly was impressed with their, their resilience, you know, after after giving up that sixth spot. I um, I didn't think it was over at that point because uh, clearly that was one of those wild, wild Sunday games. But... Uh, you know that that's uh, that, that showed some poise. So kudos to the Tar Heels. Yeah, like you said, uh, that, I think there are going to be a lot of wild Sunday games in college baseball still because when teams are running a little low, <laughs> playing three games yeah. in a row, uh, teams get used to it. But I mean, it's still they are still 19, 20, 21 year olds. They don't have most of them don't have their man strength yet, and playing three games in a row 
uh, especially the pitching just seems to get worn out. But North Carolina's depth should allow it to win more games than, like that than not. Um, it feels like another team that has depth like that, obviously, is Vanderbilt. That's why they're that high, a pretty dominant uh, weekend for the Commodores. And then, uh, Aaron, the other two teams that we have ranked pretty highly that we've stuck our neck out on a little bit are, are Louisville and Mississippi State. And Mississippi State's the other team. I know we talked about them last week, but Ole Miss and Mississippi State, the only unbeaten teams left in the SEC. And Mississippi State, I mean, it's uh, it's Samford and Purdue, two teams that, again, kind of like Stony Brook, had great years last year. Mm. Certainly lost some key pieces. I think we're a little bit higher on Samford this year than we are Purdue. Um, that's, right. you know, four games against two regional teams from last year and teams that won games in regionals uh, didn't just go out there and go two and Q. And Mississippi State just keeps taking care of business. They seem like they have talent, depth and some grit yeah they're i mean to me like i think we've probably talked about this in the podcast before this year but i think there's a lot of similar similarities between them and oregon state yeah um you know with the with the pitching depth that they have the all-around depth that they have the experience of the roster um and and you know the fact that they also have more physicality in the middle than we're used to seeing with uh with hunter renfro and um you know, Wes Ray when he's healthy and, um, you know, some of the other pieces that they have. And, you know, Runfro had a nice weekend. It's great to see him performing for you, Johnny. And, uh, and and Adam Frazier, of course, really the spark plug at the top of their lineup. So, um, you know, then they pitch, boy. They sure pitch. <laughs> they did that this weekend as well. just feels like they're top of their lineup between Frazier, Bradford, Norris, Ray when he's healthy, Renfro. That's a pretty tough top five of a lineup. That's just that's yeah. really stout. There's power, speed, explosiveness, steadiness, guys who draw a lot of walks, guys who are aggressive. That's a pretty good starting five. I mean, the, I'm in basketball mode still some, but that that's a great starting five, the way to start your lineup. And there's a lot of experience in those guys, too. So uh, I remain high on Mississippi State uh, and then Louisville. Aaron, uh, just pitching-wise, I mean – it's very nice to have in your back pocket a guy who can hit 100, it seems like, whenever he wants to and has a John Smoltz 93-mile-an-hour slider uh, like Nick Birdie does for Louisville. And they're, they're right. starting pitching. I mean, I know it's just Akron. But if you're going to play Akron, give up one run to Akron. There you go. That's it. They they took care of business in three straight games. And, you know, Chad Green and Jeff Thompson and, and Josh uh, – uh, um, Jared Ruxer all perform well for him, and you know, and the his team's good. I mean, they're we obviously believe in him. We have number four, um, and and they're taking care of business so far. Aaron, uh, the most impressive team of the weekend appeared to us to be Cal State Fullerton because while we went chalk for 16, we did take the occasion to move Cal State Fullerton up. Uh, nothing against Oklahoma or Florida State, both of whom are off their great starts, both playing well. Uh, both had some quality wins. Oklahoma beat New Mexico this weekend uh, one time. Florida State sweeping South Florida. Good win at Jacksonville. Um, so nothing against those teams. But Fullerton, Aaron, probably the most impressive single week in the entire yeah. uh, college baseball landscape this week was Cal State Fullerton. Uh, not like it's a big, long road trip to go to Pepperdine, but they do win away from home at Pepperdine, which went on to win a series on the road at Texas A&M. So another West Coast team that went east to a Southeastern Conference team and won a series, um, or as Ray Tanner would say, a series. But the Cal State <laughs> Fullerton with a bigger, I think, statement, going to TCU, sweeping the struggling Horn Frogs. The Horn Frogs are 0-6. We'll get to them in a second. But how how is Cal State Fullerton doing this, Aaron, where they're 3-0 and against top 25 teams and 8-0 um, and with a pretty uh, strong strength of schedule so far? 
they're a very complete team. And to me, they feel like the one team in our rankings that to me, well, there's several teams that I like, but they, they to me feel like they're too low. Right. right. But I don't know who, but you know, I mean, obviously this week we couldn't jump them over people, but, um, and, and, and I like all the teams in front of them too. So who knows? I mean, that's, that's kind of, I think we talked about this earlier this season in the podcast again is, uh, I don't feel like there's a huge separation between, you know, teams one and 12 this year. And, yep. and, you know, you can extend that to, you know, 20. I mean, there's, there's, I think there's, there's a group of 20 teams right now that are off to good starts and that are good teams and that could make some serious noise in the postseason. And, um, it remains to be seen, you know, who are the elite teams. They haven't separated themselves, but Fullerton so far is playing certainly like an elite team. They're playing at an elite level. And, uh, you know, Jim Schlossnagel made, made it pretty clear afterward that he thought this is one of the best offensive teams he's seen in a long, long time. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, they also uh, they pitch. I mean, that's the thing that the only reason we had them, what, 22 in the preseason was because they had young pitchers in their rotation. Um, and, and there were guys that we liked. Which is why we still ranked them. You right. know? I mean, we liked Thomas Eshelman and Justin Garza, but uh, boy, I mean, hard to expect them to come out and, and be this dominant. You know, give up one run in their combined in their first two starts, and um, you know, that's that's very very encouraging for them. And uh, you know, they've got options now uh, behind them with Graham Weist and and, and Kobe Ghana and and the bullpen. Uh, you know, that's the that's the thing I wanted to see is is will they pitch? And the answer is yes. And we knew they they would hit. And they sh- are certainly doing that as well. So they're 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 very good. I knew that you were again, like you said, you were pretty high on the offense. It feels like this is a team that still isn't isn't even hitting on all cylinders, Aaron, because Pedroza hasn't hit yet. Richie Pedroza, veteran guy. Yeah. Uh, Matt Orloff and Jake Jeffries and Anthony Hudding. Uh, these guys haven't quite gotten going yet. Um, but they're they're stars right now are carrying the load for them offensively, with the exception of Pedroza. It's the veteran, uh, what is he, a six-year senior, Carlos Lopez? <laughs> yeah. Or is that Johnny like Coy? I got my fifth and six-year seniors mixed up. But it's, you know, J.D. Davis, who's an unsigned fifth-round pick. Lorenzen, Chad Wallach, whose uh, name is college baseball royalty at Fullerton. Matt Chapman, it's the, as the stars who are carrying them, it feels like their offensive ceiling is still higher once they get some of the, these other guys like Orloff and maybe Velasquez or Jeffries and Hudding really going. Or am I, or am I uh, overselling their offense? No, I think that's fair. I mean, this is a very experienced, deep lineup, very athletic, and, and you're right. I mean, they haven't even gotten all their guys going yet. Um, I think it, it's really important so far to me, something that jumps out, that, that Michael Lorenzen has been hitting early. You know, I think he needed that. Uh, it's good good for his confidence. I mean, he had his ups and downs last year, and he didn't hit this summer for Team USA. So um, I thought it was important for him to get off to a good start, and he has. So two hits, I think, in all three of those games this weekend. Yeah, this is just a, you know, this is a, feels like, again, like you said, offensively, that was where we thought they were going to make their bones this year, uh, make their hay. Uh, but but this is a team that uh, now it's pitching really well as well. Um, TCU, I guess, is, uh, what's your early season prognosis on the 0-6 Horn Frogs? I mean, no team that I can think of has played back-to-back top 25 teams like Ole Miss and Cal State Fullerton like they did. You know, if you're going to be a top 25 team, if you're going to be a regional team, you got to win a couple of those games. You know, two and four yeah. would be two and four would be acceptable. Oh, and six, I know, is not acceptable to anyone. Uh, what's the what's the biggest problem so far, and what's the uh, prognosis going forward for the Horn Frogs? You know, they're just not hitting. That's the biggest thing, and and 
this weekend they they uh they also had some trouble in the bullpen but um you know the the biggest thing is they're not hitting i mean they're hitting 183 as a team they scored eight runs in six games Ooh. i mean that's just a, that's what it comes down to and and yes they've played two teams with good pitching staffs and Ole Miss's case i think it's an elite pitching staff and and in uh Fullerton's case it's obviously a very good one you know um but uh but still i mean you got to score to win you know i mean yeah. it's, that's it's pretty self-explanatory. So uh, will they get going? I think they will. I mean, the schedule eases up a little bit now. And, uh, you know, although they still have a, a tough Friday matchup against uh, Jacksonville and, and uh, Anderson down there, Chris Anderson, uh, who's uh, who's got really good stuff. But, uh, but you know, they, they, they should – I would imagine they'll get the bats going this week um, because I, I think there is talent here. You know, they've got guys that, that just need to perform. I mean, to me, it's, it's – um, you know, we knew they were going to have some growing pains because they they had some some newer players that were breaking in, and and so far, I mean, it's just so far none of those guys have performed. But uh, it's certainly too early to panic, and I and I you know I have faith in that coaching staff, and I'm sure they'll get them going. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I think, but if if it's if three weeks in a row, you know, if they go to Jacksonville, and it's a tough, you know, they got four road games this week with Dallas Baptist and and Jacksonville, so not like Dallas Baptist is a, is a quick little bus ride, but um. Yeah, they they need to win some games before they play Arkansas Pine Bluff. Let's just put it that way. You know, <laughs> we know they'll probably get well against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and they have a nice home stand um, after this. But uh, I like you said, you don't panic when you're down when you're zero six. But I would start to panic a little bit if they can't get some wins uh, this week. Uh, so that yes, that, that's kind of where I'm looking at. And then Aaron, we brought in a couple other teams this week with Notre Dame and Florida Gulf Coast. You're going to write quite a bit about those two teams, but I'm. I'm sticking with the negative, I guess, here, is that the other team we dropped out, so TCU fell out, Florida Gators fell out, Aaron, and uh, to me, the bottom, you know, they got swept by Florida Gulf Coast, they also lost at midweek to Georgia Southern, uh, to me, the bottom line, Aaron, is that this is not the Florida team that we thought it was going to be this spring, uh, when you we lose Thompson, your 60-year senior center fielder, you put a bigger burden on Justin Schaefer, and then you um, lose Carson Whitson. You know, the separating factor for Florida was supposed to be the duo of Whitson and Crawford at the top of their rotation, and just that they would still have very good pitching this year. And so far, you know, they just have it. They gave up 23 runs this weekend to Florida Gulf Coast. They gave up eight runs against uh, Georgia Southern. They haven't pitched well. They haven't hit enough. It's not a top 25 team right now, and it's a little bit harder to see, in my mind, the Gators – getting back in the top 25 than it is TCU because mm. they just aren't the team on the field that we thought they were going to be. Am I overreacting a little bit or do you have some more worried? I'm more worried about Florida than I am about TCU. Yeah. You know, I think you might be right about that. And, and um, when you look at the way the rotation is set up now with Crawford and then two freshmen right now, I mean, and, and, you know, both those guys struggled this weekend, Tucker Simpson and uh, Eric Handhold. I mean, Sully likes those guys. They're, they're, you know, Florida is high on those guys. I, I think they'll be better than they were this week. Um, but uh, look, I mean, I think they got out-talented a little bit this weekend. I mean, yeah, you know, that that, that Florida Gulf Coast team is, is a physical, experienced team uh, with star power. That was you a know, top 25 Michael. recruiting class. Yeah, I mean Michael Suki and Sean Dwyer and Ricky Knapp. I mean those are those are really good players, and and they love their shortstop Diaz. Um, you know, a guy that's got serious arm strength and range. I mean he's a he's a really good defensive player. Um, they they love you know 
Brandon Bednar, Brooks Beisner, and all these guys are, uh, are, are, they're veteran guys, you know, and, and Hey, we've talked so many times about how important it is to be old in college baseball. And, um, and Hey, this team is talented too. That's, that's the point I'm trying to make. I mean, Harrison Cooney was 94, 96 this, uh, this weekend out of the bullpen and shut down Florida for five innings on Sunday so they could win that game. Um, right now the Gators, you know, they, they're not particularly old. They have a lot of young players they're relying on and uh, they haven't really found themselves yet. Yes. Yeah, so I, I think there are two parts of this. First off, is that there's some legitimate questions with the Gators. Um, you know, and second of all, it's that Florida Gulf Coast is a legitimately talented team. Uh, do you see uh, Florida making any changes in its weekend rotation, Aaron? I mean, not like uh, Johnny Magliazzi and Daniel Gibson, and these guys have been so great out of the bullpen, or Keenan Kish. Or, uh, you know, Kish hasn't given up a run yet, but he's given up some base runners. These guys haven't been great, but these are your best pitchers. At some point, you got to get your best pitchers the most innings. I know you want to... <laughs> shorten yeah. the game and have a bullpen and all that kind of stuff. But it, do you see Sully sticking with these two freshmen in the weekend rotation if if the team continues to, uh, I don't know, go south? Or, or do, you, do you think he's going to uh, try to stick it out with with his freshmen in the weekend rotation? I have a feeling he's still trying to find the right combinations. And, you know, I, I suspect we'll see a lot of different combinations this year uh, from Florida on the, on the pitching side because they've got a lot of guys that are, you know, versatile and, and – uh, they've guys that they've stretched out in the spring, the, even that are in the bullpen. They, it's not like they've just been throwing one inning stints. Right. I mean, you know, in, in interest squads, I mean, with, with Gibson and, and, you know, Kish and Magliossi, all those guys, they've been extended I and mean, they're all capable of starting. So, um, you know, he, he, they, they need to figure it out. And I don't know what the answer is right now, um, you know, but uh, those guys know more about baseball than I do. So, uh, you know, I, I think this team – they got a long way to go. Uh, they're clearly nothing, nothing nowhere close to where they were the last few years. Um, I don't know that they're a top 25 team going forward, but I, but I do think that they'll they'll get that thing figured out and then and be a regional team. I, I do believe that. I, I believe that coaching staff is, is too good. I think that's reasonable. Uh, I do think it's going to be tough for them if they're going to be very reliant on freshmen um, yeah. in the SEC. That that's tough. You know, those guys when that's they true. broke in. When they broke in Fontana and Zanino and those other guys a couple of years ago, A, those were special talents, and B, they had uh, Preston Tucker already there. They had some other guys uh, already there, you know, Billy Bullock in their bullpen, I believe, and those, those kind of guys. They had some veterans uh, around to help those guys out this year. And the veterans that are still there are, you know, a sophomore in Gushu who was not very good last year. Vikash uh, mm. Ramjit, who you love, but has been a very complimentary player. You know, right. It's tough. I, I think that they're um, – I don't think we're going to see them in the top ten this year in the rankings. No, I don't no, think I, would, I would not think so. I don't think we're going to see Florida hosting a regional. Um, no. I, I think they're too young, and the SEC is too deep to expect that. Uh, like TCU, I could see TCU getting back on the beam, still winning the Big 12 and hosting a regional. Uh, sure. I, can't, I can't see that happening for the Gators this year. Um, and then let's 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 talk a little bit more, like you said about this. Uh, I'm just going down uh, this uh, Florida Gulf Coast team. Like you said, I see a lot of redshirt sophomores and juniors and seniors, and uh, and then we've got Ricky Knapp to me, Aaron. I mean, I know he's a. Uh, I, I love his dad, <laughs> Rick Knapp, former minor league pitching coordinator of the Twins. I think he's now a pitching coach in the Dodgers organization. He's been a big league pitching coach. He's been a minor league pitching coordinator. Uh, this guy knows pitching, and his son is just so the the dis, the pure distilled Rick Knapp senior. 
he throws strikes. Uh, he's like a college Brad Radke, basically. If uh, mm. I guess our younger listeners are going to have to Google and B-Ref Brad Radke. But, I mean, what do you throw? A complete game with less than 100 pitches on Friday? I mean, he just looks like that's yeah. a separating factor for Florida Gulf Coast. And what looks like a very competitive Atlantic Sun uh, conference. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and uh, the other thing that stands out to me is, is Florida Gulf Coast did this this weekend without two of their key pieces. Um, you know, Brady Anderson, the two-way guy, would, you know, would have been their starting center fielder and their closer uh, is out for the season. And, uh, you know, and, and, and they're, they're one of their weekend starters as well, uh, Brandon Erath. Um, he's, he's, he's out. Richie Erath. Thank you, John. Um, he's out for a while as well. So, I mean, those are two key pieces. And, and they, you know, <laughs> not how many mid-majors could, could lose uh, a, a center fielder slash closer and, and a weekend starter and still go down to Florida and, and sweep the Gators? I mean, come on. Exactly. It's that's, that's a pretty loud weekend. And then you've got in that conference, you have East Tennessee State with Clint Freeman off to this giant start. And we've kind of gotten used to the last couple of years. Uh, Caleb Gloffenheim, you having big offensive numbers. <laughs> I love right. that Tony Skoll retweeted my Caleb Gloffenheim tweet at you. I, I was very happy about that. What in the name of Caleb Gloffenheim is happening there? But right. But, but Mercer's good. South Carolina Upstate is a solid program. Uh, Jacksonville and Stetson. He's at Jacksonville kind of in the last year. Terry Alexander, like you mentioned, they've got a, a guy in Anderson. It's a Chris Anderson, right? Right. He's their weekend starter. I mean, we have scouts uh, tweet texting at us. This guy's been in the mid nineties, his first two starts. Um, you know, these are, uh, th- this, this seems like, I guess it was two years ago that the Atlantic sun was really, really strong at the top and got a couple of that large bids, maybe a little early to, to, to tell whether that's going to be the case in the a sun this year, but it seems like that, that yeah. league is going to be very competitive. I think you're right. I think once again, uh, um, you know, you're you're on top of it, Johnny. I think it's it's a fascinating league, um, you know. And, and and Mercer got off to a really good start last week uh, with uh, with those wins that down there against Ohio State and St. John's and Notre Dame. Um, and then they they swept Bethune Cookman this weekend. So Mercer is certainly a team of interest for me. Um, and you know, Upstate as well, five and one. So um, you know, this is uh, this is an interesting league this year for sure. And then Aaron, the other team that came into our top twenty-five, and we'll uh, we'll kind of wrap it up here. Um, but Notre Dame and, and Notre Dame and Virginia Tech at 22 and 25 in our rankings. Uh, we're going to have those guys in in our backyard here in Cary, North Carolina, this weekend for a tournament over at USA Baseball's National Training Complex. But on uh, Notre Dame, I mean Notre Dame's beaten Florida Gulf Coast already this year. Their one loss, like you just talked about, to Mercer. Um, and and uh, uh, we, you just wrote in the weekend preview about how good Tulane's pitching had been in the first weekend of the season. Tulane pitched well again this weekend, but Notre Dame pitched better. Very impressive sweep for the Fighting Irish to go down to New Orleans and sweep Tulane. Yeah, and and you know for for Notre Dame and Florida Gulf Coast, these are going to be huge RPI wins for them because don't forget the RPI formula is tweaked this year and places more value on road wins. And so these are these are teams Florida and Tulane that are playing good conferences. Um, you know they're they're probably going to be regional teams, I think. And so you got road sweeps against those teams early in the year. Boy, it's a great boost for you going into conference play here in a little in a couple of weeks. So um, now this Notre Dame team, again, is a very is just a good team with experience and frontline talent and a nice deep supporting cast. Um, and and you know their pitching was really good this weekend. And I think it's interesting that 
they, they've they've settled with Dan Slania back in the rotation, like he or in the bullpen rather, like he was the last couple of years. And right. They're just comfortable comfortable with him back there, and they've got enough other pieces in the rotation that they're fine without him starting. So, um, you know, Fitzgerald and um, uh, I'm drawing a blank, but I mean it's 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 a it's a good staff, you know. And the, I'm sorry, the, the can Saturday... I help you on Notre Dame's uh, Notre Dame's pitching staff? I apologize. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the Saturday guy is, uh, is is Adam Norton is who it is. Uh, you know, really good pitchability, kind of a, a mix mix and match guy. I mean, not going to blow you away, but um, you know, he, he had a really nice start on Saturday. And then, um, you know, David Hearn's got a big arm. Their Sunday guy didn't pitch great this weekend, but he's got good stuff. And and, and Mick Aoki's very excited about him. So, um, you know, as, as a six foot four freshman with some upside. So, um, you know, keep certainly this this team. Um, that was kind of the area that I was, I was curious about with them coming into the season. I had a feeling they were going to re- be a really good offensive team. Wasn't completely sold on the pitching depth, um, but it sounds like it's pretty good. And Aaron, lastly, I will uh, remind people, you, you previewed Indiana and Georgia Southern, which I thought was really awesome. A good uh, intersectional, you know, Midwest team coming down south. Uh, our Big Ten favorite, and then a SoCon club in Georgia Southern that lost some star power, but certainly uh, you know announced itself a little bit with a midweek win at, uh, you know, at Florida and kind of about as anticlimactic as that weekend series could have gone. They have all kinds of weather issues, fog, rain, game suspended, all that kind of junk. They wrap up with a series split on Sunday and completing one game and then playing the second game. Um, So we really didn't learn, I don't think, that much about Indiana or Georgia Southern, except for the fact that these are two teams that look like regional teams as well from your preview. Yeah, I think so. And, and the thing, you know, I'm, I'm very confident in Indiana as a regional team. Um, but Georgia Southern, to me, uh, you know, they still face the challenge of being in the SoCon. And, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough league. And, you know, they might get three bids, but they're not, not going to get more than three bids. So it's you got to finish, you know, as, as one of the top three teams. And you've got Elon and you've got College of Charleston and you've got, you know, Western Carolina and you've got all these teams that are off to good starts in that league. Um, and it's going to be very competitive. So I, mean, I think Georgia Southern could certainly be upstate. I mean, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's a good league. And, and um, you know, I, I think that uh, Western Carolina, I'm sorry, um, Georgia Southern, Georgia Southern is 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 uh, is certainly capable of. of you know, finishing near the top here, but uh, I like their team, you know, as I wrote about, but, uh, but it also doesn't have the kind of frontline talent that they had last year, certainly. And, you know, I, I wonder, um, I wonder if their pitching will hold up as we get into conference play. I tell you, the, the bottom line is every time I look at one of these leagues, if we're talking about some of these, uh, you know, some of these, uh, they're just, like you said earlier with the top 25 rankings, they're just very little, te- there are very few leagues where there's one team that separates itself from everybody else. They're just not, that's not happening a lot. Maybe the Big East with Louisville. I don't see a whole lot of other teams doing that, Aaron. Uh, uh, that, it just seems like uh, we could talk about parity um, all we want to, but I mean, uh, and it's kind of a joke. But even in Conference USA, so that's that has the possibility of being pretty bunched up. The Pac-12, like we talked about, the ACC. I just don't see anybody running away and hiding in college baseball this year. Like you know, the last couple of years, really. Let's face it, the last three years, South Carolina was the dominant program. And Florida was a very, very good program and was a dominant regular season team. Uh, we've had UCLA have a dominant regular regular season. We've had some, you know, five, six years ago, we had Vanderbilt have a dominant regular season. 
I, I about, just don't see that happening this year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I don't, about, I don't see that happening. How about, how about Baylor last year? Oh, going yeah. 18 and 0 to start Big 12 play. I mean, that was yeah. nuts. That was that um, was completely nuts, and I, I kind of out of left field. It's just harder yeah. to see that happening this year. I mean, I I just feel like you know the. I mean, here's Texas. Uh, you know, Texas feel off to a really good start. Uh, do I feel like Texas or TCU or uh, Oklahoma? Maybe you know, maybe Oklahoma's off to a great start too. Do you feel like Oklahoma or Texas is really going to run away with the Big 12? It doesn't feel like that is going to happen this year. It doesn't feel like it, but I could see Oklahoma uh, um, being very good in the Big 12. And right now, you know, I mean, with TCU after this kind of a bad start, you kind of have to maybe think Oklahoma is the favorite in that league. I thought they were pretty close in the preseason anyway. Um, so, you know, that that's – but you're right. I mean, it doesn't feel like anyone's going to run away with that league. And, and, uh, and, and, and I think, you know, besides the usual suspects like, you know, Coastal Carolinas of the world. Right. Um, there, there, there are – you know, you're right. There probably won't be very many runaway teams. I definitely – you know, we talked about earlier the, the parody this year. Um, I, think, I think it's real. Trixie. Settle down. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's okay. It makes the podcast a little bit more uh, more alive. Aaron, I think that you need to go, and I think that we are done. So uh, Sorry well, about that. I blame, I blame the neighbor's dog getting her started. Those sons of a gun. <laughs> so uh, uh, we'll, we'll be back with more podcast goodness next Monday, every Monday throughout the rest of the college baseball season. Uh, we'll also every Monday, uh, the plan going forward. I think we didn't do it. Uh, I, I guess we did do it. I don't even remember anymore. The World Baseball Classic stuff, so in my head, Aaron. But uh, every Monday at noon, I believe our plan is noon Eastern time, Google Plus Hangout every Monday where we talk about one or two teams from the top 25 uh, rankings as well. So uh, you're going to get uh, even more of uh, Aaron and John this year on the college baseball tip. So for Aaron Fit and Trixie, I'm John Manuel. We'll see you on next week's Baseball America College podcast. So long, everybody. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.